Shabbat Shalom, folks. Hello for me. Miso's joined us. Um, so I just thought, like, you know, it's been a couple weeks. It's been Hanukkah. There's been a lot on our plates. I'm like, what am I gonna, what am I gonna talk about tonight? And Hanukkah ends with a transition between months. We actually just left the month of Kislev and we enter the month of Tevet. This happens within the holiday of Hanukkah itself. And one of the actually miraculous things that occurs because of this alignment of the calendar is that the darkest night of the year always falls during the seventh or eighth night of Hanukkah. And what do I mean by the darkest night of the year? Because Jewish months begin with the new moon, the uh, new moon closest to the winter solstice, this is the new moon that is on the longest night of the year that falls with the new, where a new moon happens. Does that make sense? Yes. When a new moon falls close to the winter solstice, so it's the longest, darkest night, right, that we get in the calendar. It's not the longest night, but it's the darkest night because it's a new moon closest to the winter solstice. Um, and this is actually when we kindle the most light. So because we're on a lunar calendar, we actually have an interesting alignment also with the astrological calendar as well. And you may be thinking, okay, wait, hold on. Astrology and Judaism, is that actually a thing? Yes, it is a thing. If anybody's ever traveled around Europe or the Near East, you might have actually seen some ancient synagogues with these beautiful mosaics in the floor or on the walls that depict different signs of the zodiac. And you're like, wait a second, what does this have to do with, I mean, like, is this just like borrowing from our neighbors? Is this just like, oh, well, I guess the Greeks are doing it, the Romans are doing it, we might as well do it too. It's actually a little bit more than that. Um, while it exists within ancient Judaism, we see a debate among the rabbis around the validity of astrology. Kabbalah, later Jewish mysticism that emerges during the Jewish Middle Ages, deepens the association in particular between the Jewish months in our calendrical cycle and the cycle of the Zodiac. But let's go back first to the debate the rabbis have. So we're talking about the rabbis of the classical period into the Talmudic period. So early centuries BCE through right probably about 200, 300, 400 CE. Talk about, okay, what's up with astrology? Um, can we actually derive what they call wisdom from the stars? Chochmat hamazalot. You're like, wait, mazalot? That sounds like mazal tov. It is actually, right? The word for constellation is similar to the word for luck, mazalot, constellation. So can we actually derive chokhmah, wisdom, from the mazalot, chokhmah, mazalot? And the rabbis tend to fall into kind of three camps. There's the absolutely, like this is actually deep wisdom. And then there's the absolutely not. This is complete farce, right? That we should have nothing to do with it. And then there's an interesting middle camp, which is like, there is something to be said about the wisdom of the stars, but we should be really cautious about it and stay away from it. Um, it's one of those things where people ask, like, do Jews believe in ghosts? Do Jews believe in divination? Do Jews believe in... And you're like, well, the Torah forbids it, right? We're not supposed to. If you look in the Torah, it says you're not supposed to consult ghosts. You're not supposed to consult witches. You're not supposed to, you know, uh, consult magical objects, um, which means, like, if there's a if there's like a warning against it, right, it actually means that there might have been some belief that this could have been a valid form of gaining wisdom about the world. Um, and and, uh, and it's interesting to think that maybe some of the early rabbis, right, or early thinkers, I mean, Torah is pre-rabbinic, right, are actually like, mm, no, this is too dangerous, right? There's there's something there, right? But maybe we just shouldn't mess with this. There might be too much sacred or secret wisdom that might be unlocked by engaging in these kind of esoteric modes of, of knowledge, um, of knowledge and knowing and understanding the world. So fast forward to the post-Talmudic period, we're talking about the Gaonic periods. This is the kind of early Jewish Middle Ages, you know, about 800, 900, 1000 CE. Um, and essentially it boils down to this, which is 
there might be some wisdom within the stars. Maybe a person's personality and disposition is influenced by the planets and stars when we're born, but because we also believe in free will, right, that um, we are not, um, our lives are not predetermined by the stars. So influenced, but not predetermined. And this tends to be um, the thread that weaves its way through Judaism for most of our Middle Ages. And remember, the Jewish Middle Ages is actually quite a long period of time. We're really talking like 800 to 1600. It's a big chunk of time, but woven through right parts of Judaism, this idea that, okay, well, maybe we can kind of look at the stars when somebody's born and think a little bit about how that might influence their personality. But we believe in our ability to overcome our worst inclinations and to sharpen our best inclinations. Um, and so in a way, astrology becomes a tool for maybe thinking about, okay, what are a person's potential strengths and what are a person's potential growing edges? Of course, astrology falls out of favor within contemporary Judaism, much in the same way that it's fallen out of favor within secular society writ large because of a general feeling that actually where the planets are, where the stars are, don't have an influence on who a person is or who they're destined to become or even what our particular strengths or growing edges might be. But then Kabbalah comes in. Jewish mysticism and says, well, maybe there's something to be said about the association of the Jewish months with astrological signs. And this is where it kind of gets to be a little bit fun. Um, I've always felt that things like astrology, tarot, uh, how, um, like different forms of divination, do, do actually they're magical, predicting the world, predicting the future? No, but I think they can actually get us to ask important questions about who are we? Um, what are our strengths and dispositions? Um, what kind of questions might I ask or how might a, um, an astrological reading or a tarot card, for example, or a cat of lots, if you will, um, how might that get me to ask questions about myself in a way that I wouldn't have asked them before? And so I find the Kabbalistic association between the signs and our months to be really fascinating for that very reason. So let's start with, let's start with a, we'll, we'll kind of begin the beginning of the Jewish year um, and we'll roll through this moment as well, because I think the associations are particularly powerful. So if we start in the month of Elul, right, the month that leads up to uh, the high holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, right, Elul, Elul is associated with the sign of Virgo. Um, Virgos apparently are known for being a very organized type of folks. They are the, they're the list makers. Um, Beyonce, I believe, is a Virgo, right? Very on top of her stuff, very organized, right? And what is Elul about? Elul is actually about Cheshbon HaNefesh, right? Taking account of ourselves and our lives. It's about making that list and checking it twice and deciding who is the person who I have been, who is the person who I want to be, right? Which then rolls into the month of Tishrei, right? This is the month of Rosh Hashanah and the month of Yom Kippur, and Tishrei, the Kabbalists associate with the sign of Libra, right? The scales, right? The, the image is obvious when you think scales, Yom Kippur, Day of Judgment, balance, right? Um, and remember, right, the, the, the task of Yom Kippur is not to like excise um, the parts of ourselves that are fallible, um, the parts of ourselves that make mistakes, right? It's about actually finding the balance of acknowledging that we're human beings and therefore we are capable of great things and we also make mistakes sometimes, right? The balance of Libra, right? It's not about, right, trying to be a saint um, because it's impossible. It's also an acknowledgement that like, we're not like wicked people either, right? Like all of us have this kind of balancing act that we maintain. 
Following on the heels of Tishrei is the month of Heshvan, right? Heshvan is often called Mar Heshvan or the bitter month because it doesn't actually have any holidays. It's the only month in our calendar with, with no holidays in it. Um, it's also the month associated with Scorpio. Now, I'm not saying that Scorpios are particularly bitter people, but Scorpios are associated with introspection, with kind of the inner psychic life. And I actually think Heshvan, without its holidays and its expression, like the outward expression of Jewishness, is really about taking a moment, right? This is post Yom Kippur. This is post high holidays, post taking that accounting and balancing of ourselves. And now we turn inward a little bit to think about, okay, who am I? Where do I fit into the world in the year ahead, right? It's that, um, it's that like inner psychic life moment, right? That we're not really connecting so much with each other in community and outward facing, but we're actually inward facing, maybe taking a little bit of time for ourselves. So then we go into the month of Kislev, um, which is my month. Um, I wore my I wore my Sagittarius uh, necklace tonight, um, right? This is the month of Sagittarius, and Sagittarius is interesting. It's the optimistic sign, right? It is the the archer, right? It is the sign that is about exploration, um, about uh, taking risks, um, making leaps. Um, uh, it is a sign that's associated often with luck as well, right? And Kislev is the month of Hanukkah, right? Which is a holiday about building light. It's a holiday of optimism, but optimism is also one that comes with a sense of taking that leap, right? Um, uh, both the Maccabean story, right, of a small people who overcomes a great empire, but also the story of the miracle of oil, right, um, is really one of taking risks because... Right? They didn't know that the oil was going to last eight nights, and yet they still lit the menorah anyway, which some could say falls into the Sagittarian impulsiveness, but others could say also falls into the Sagittarian idea of hopefulness and taking a leap. Um, because if you don't take a leap, uh, nothing changes. Um, but then we build up, right? to the end of Hanukkah, the full Hanukkah, that steady, consistent light, not the shifting light of the first seven nights, but the full light of the menorah, fully lit, right? The steady, consistent light that then carries us through the darker months. And this is Tevet, the month of Capricorn, the staple sign, right? The sign that is about being in your fullness. It is a sign often associated with abundance. Um, it is a sign often associated with, right? A sense, a strong sense of self and being, um, right? It is that fully lit, the fully lit Hanukkah that then carries us through, um, carries us through to the other side um, into the month of Shabbat. Um, and Shabbat is a very mystical month. It's when um, Tubi Shabbat happens, the new year of the trees, which is all about recognizing what's occurring under the surface. It might blossom. And that's where we get our Aquarians, right? Uh, which is supposed to be a sign uh, associated with the esoteric and the kind of mysterious and the unknown, right? It's the seed under the surface of the soil waiting to grow, which for those of us, particularly in wintry places like Chicago, Tubi Shabbat, the new year of the trees, you're like, you're not watching any trees bloom, but you are thinking about the potential that lies there. So I'll pause there because I, I could go on forever. Um, and I find that this is really fascinating because it's a way of rethinking and re-engaging with our calendar. Again, I, do I think astrology is going to predict the future? Do I think astrology is going to tell us exactly who we are and who we're meant to be? No, but it could get us to think about where are we in our calendar? Um, what is the theme of these times of the months that we're in? 
and how might more fully engage with those themes, right? To move from a sense of organization to balance, to introspection, to hopefulness, optimism, and risk, to steadiness and contentment, to um, mystery and some of that awe um, that comes with uh, thinking of what might lie behind the surface of the world around us. So even in these months, you can kind of see how the arc of the signs, the arc of the months, the holidays that are in them, um, has a lot of kind of richness there um, to get us thinking a bit um, about where we are. Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishkan, thank you for listening.